Section 33 of Expository Thoughts on the Gospel of St. Mark by J. C. Ryle Chapter 8, verses 14 to 21 Warning against false doctrine, slowness to understand in disciples This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Mark chapter 8, verses 14 to 21 Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not, and having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? They say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? Let us notice the solemn warning which our Lord gives to his disciples at the beginning of this passage. He says, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. We are not left to conjecture the meaning of this warning. This is made clear by the parallel passage in St. Matthew's Gospel. We there read that Jesus did not mean the leaven of bread, but the leaven of doctrine, the self-righteousness and formalism of the Pharisees. The worldliness and skepticism of the courtiers of Herod were the objects of our Lord's caution. Against both he bids his disciples to be on their guard. Such warnings are of deep importance. It would be well for the Church of Christ if they had been more remembered. The assaults of persecution from without have never done half so much harm to the Church as the rise of false doctrines within. False prophets and false teachers within the camp have done far more mischief in Christendom than all the bloody persecutions of the emperors of Rome. The sword of the foe has never done such damage to the cause of truth as the tongue and the pen. The doctrines which our Lord specifies are precisely those which have always been found to inflict most injury on the cause of Christianity. Formalism, on the one hand, and skepticism, on the other, have been chronic diseases in the professing Church of Christ. In every age multitudes of Christians have been infected by them. In every age men need to watch against them and be on their guard. The expression used by our Lord in speaking of false doctrine is singularly forcible and appropriate. He calls it leaven. No word more suitable could have been employed. It exactly describes the small beginnings of false doctrine, the subtle, quiet way in which it insensibly pervades a man's religion the deadly power with which it changes the whole character of Christianity. Here, in fact, lies the great danger of false doctrine. If it approached us under its true colors, it would do little harm. The great secret of its success is its subtlety and likeness to truth. Every error in religion has been said to be a truth abused. Let us often examine ourselves whether we be in the faith and beware of leaven. 
let us no more trifle with a little false doctrine than we would trifle with a little immorality or a little lie. Once admit it into our hearts, and we never know how far it may lead us astray. The beginning of departure from the pure truth is like that of letting out of waters, first a drop, and at last a torrent. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Galatians chapter 5 verse 9. Let us notice the dull understanding of the disciples when our Lord gave the warning of this passage. They thought that the leaven of which he spoke must be the leaven of bread. It never struck them that he was speaking of doctrine. They drew from him the sharp reproof. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? How is it that ye do not understand? Believers, converted, renewed, as the disciples were, they were still dull of apprehension in spiritual things. Their eyes were still dim, and their perception slow in the matters of the kingdom of God. We shall find it useful to ourselves to remember what is here recorded of the disciples. It may help to correct the high thoughts which we are apt to entertain of our own wisdom, and to keep us humble and lowly-minded. We must not fancy that we know everything as soon as we are converted. Our knowledge, like all our graces, is always imperfect, and never so far from perfection as at our first beginning in the service of Christ. There is more ignorance in our hearts than we are at all aware of. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. Above all, we shall find it useful to remember what is here recorded in dealing with young Christians. We must not expect perfection in a new convert. We must not set him down as graceless and godless and a false professor, because at first he sees but half the truth and commits many mistakes. His heart may be right in the sight of God, and yet, like the disciples, he may be very slow of understanding in the things of the Spirit. We must bear with him patiently, and not cast him aside. We must give him time to grow in grace and knowledge, and his latter end may find him ripe in wisdom, like Peter and John. It is a blessed thought that Jesus, our Master in heaven, despises none of his people. Marvelous and blameworthy as their slowness to learn undoubtedly is, his patience never gives way. He goes on teaching them, line upon line, precept upon precept. Let us do likewise. Let it be a rule with us never to despise the weakness and dullness of young Christians. Wherever we see a spark of true grace, however dim and mixed with infirmity, let us be helpful and kind. Let us do as we would be done by. End of section 33